Welcome to God Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Dina Jackson. Dina is a comedian. She's also a teacher of yoga and mindfulness. And uh, yeah, she just has a great story where she talks a lot about meditation and mindfulness. And we have such a fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Please check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Dina Jackson. All right, welcome to another episode of God Yay or Nay. I'm here with Dina Jackson. Dina, thanks for joining me again. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Nora. I always have fun. Yeah, okay, so you're my first uh, repeat guest. Uh, oh. I hope, yeah, I hope that's an honor. I don't know if it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a big honor. Thank you so much. That's cool. No, I love no. That. Yeah, honestly, um, one of the reasons I was so excited to get you back on, it's like you do practice so much of the stuff that I practice, maybe in a little bit of a different uh, way, but meditation, yoga, stuff that I'm really into. And um, yeah, like I, I know like since the last time we started, because you were at the beginning of my podcast, at the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, I know that you've done a lot of different work and I think your practice has grown, maybe even changed a little bit. So I, I definitely want to uh, want to kind of get into that. And you're also a comedian. That's how we know each other from the community. So we're back <laughs> at it. Uh, Toronto's opened up completely. Um, how, how has that uh, transition been going from the pandemic back into the comedy world? It's been pretty good. It's been a good representation of our industry anyway, which is always zero to a hundred, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we just, that kind of hurry up and wait mentality, which I think translates into the acting world as well. Like it, it definitely feels like that on steroids. Um, I, I don't know if you feel that way, but uh, I certainly do. And I'm grateful for it, but yeah, it's a bit of a culture shock in some ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and yeah. uh yeah, so I wanted to talk about like your meditation practice, like during the like uh, COVID, because I know you've been working with a teacher and like you've been on a retreat too, which is something I am um, hoping by the end of this you convince me to go on one <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah. How how's how has your meditation practice been over the pandemic? Was it easy to keep it going? Like I, I know I'm not gonna lie myself. Like I I had issues like keeping it consistent during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, well, I actually decided to do my mindfulness instructor course that my teacher was um, arranging. And the good thing was, so he is a, was a practicing monk in Thailand for 19 years. He's originally a Canadian guy who went to Thailand kind of in search of a teacher and interested in things like mindfulness. And then he ended up staying there and becoming a, a monk. Um, so he usually spends half the year in Toronto and half the year in Thailand, but because of the pandemic, um, he wasn't his, he was spending more time here 
And then he was actually able to teach a lot more. So it was great because we were doing a lot of things over Zoom. So I was grateful for that time. And so I actually had the time to do my instructor course. And um, so that was really good. So I had to really keep up with my mindfulness practice um, more than I did before. And I actually found it to be really challenging at first, but then very helpful because it was like a good home base that I had when things in the world felt very uncertain, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was definitely challenging. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to feel motivated to do any form of meditation when you think the world is ending or, you know, you <laughs> you're like, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, uh, that's cool. And I'm glad like you actually took that course as well. Like, um, so the teachings that you're doing, you said this is from like Buddhism that your teacher, uh, uh, like, is it like a different type of Buddhism? I know there's so many and like Thailand has its own flavor of it almost, right? Yeah. So it is based on um, Buddhism and Buddhist theory. Mindfulness, as you know, comes from that. So you can be a secular mindfulness practitioner. Like you could just, just want to do the practice and not really want to know anything behind it and then still have a lot of benefits. But if you do decide you want to go and learn a little bit more of its origin, then you will see that it does come from Buddhism initially. And so um, my teacher was, yes, in Thailand. So that's Theravada Buddhism. There's also Mahayana Buddhism, which is what the Dalai Lama practices. And um, so they're a little bit different, but they are very, very similar in a lot of ways. And so I was spending a lot of time learning things like that, like learning the theory, learning, learning the origins, but then also learning the practice on a very uh, personal, but also historical level, if that makes sense, like in, in putting in my own practice and then understanding how many centuries people have been practicing this for. So, and, and does that deeper understanding of the history, like that's actually a very cool point because like. I know all these practices I do, I just kind of do them and I don't like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't really look into like the background of them. Does that deeper understanding of the history, does that like help you in your practice? Do you think? I think it does, but I also think it's really cool that you just do them because that's really hard to be able to just pick something up and be like, you know what, this works, I'm going to do it. So hats off to you, Nora, that you do that because I think a lot of people they need, they're like, I want to, you know, I want to see the proof in the pudding. Why do I have to do it? You know what I mean? And you're oh, like, yeah. no, no, no. Right. So, um, I don't know if you're a history buff, then this is a really cool route to go. For me, it was just something I had to learn as part of my instructor course, but I'm glad that I did because now I really understand, um, that the majority of, of people in Thailand, this is what they practice. They practice this form of Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism. And so not all, but that's like a very, very um, uh, popular religion there. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, for me, it was good to learn that origin and then think about how I can bring it into my own daily life. And then I do public speaking as well, which we've talked about. And so it's good for me to know all of that when I'm speaking about it, because I think if you're going to speak on a topic you should really be an expert on it a hundred percent and yeah if you're speaking like that's actually probably if i went and spoke people would be like so where does this come from i'll be like oh, i have no idea actually <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> 
but how did you, how did you personally come into mindfulness? Cause I know you told me last time we were hanging out that you were like, you tried out a few different things, but this is now a path that you're on. Like, was yeah. there something that clicked for you? So like, maybe I'll even say it with the, um, just for the audience sake, like I, I used to focus on like meditation, like, um, which was more of like your attention, keeping your attention on one thing and just trying to always keep it there. So whenever like your attention swayed, bring it back. And Mm -hmm. then like lately I've focused into more uh, mindfulness, which is more kind of like just staying with your awareness and like kind of like bringing as much into your awareness as possible, whether it's your whole body or like the deeper you get into your practice, you can even expand it uh, further than that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, how I say the difference. And the, like, is that how they would explain the difference, like in the teaching you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Even the earlier stages of what you were saying in terms of noticing when the mind goes out, like you're really just watching the mind or watching the body at any given time. That's mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. You're coming into awareness, like you were saying of what the mind and the body are doing in any given moment. And the more you can build that awareness, the more you start to strengthen your own practice to a point where you don't become so attached to things. So you don't become so attached to your body. You don't become so attached to your thoughts. And when you actually have moments of that, um, it can be very freeing because you're not lost in a story about, you know, I have to achieve this goal or I have to date this person or I have to buy this thing. Mm-hmm. You just you still maybe want those things that it doesn't let go of desires, but you you stop defining your self-worth based on whether or not you achieve those things or you have mm-hmm. those things, right? Um, so it can be really freeing. And that that's why it's such a big part of my life because it helped me a lot in comedy. It helped me a lot with, you know, not trying to define my self-worth based on achievements in the entertainment world. Cause like, you know, very well, anybody in our business knows that all of those things are very fleeting and they come and go. Mm -hmm. And that can be related to any part of life. Right. Yeah. And it takes like to build that mental strength, like you were saying, it's uh it is very beneficial because you're right like everything is up and down in everybody's life it's always going to be that so it's it's mm-hmm. very like just a great tool to have that to be able to disidentify with whatever whatever thought or maybe pain or whatever maybe trauma whatever it is in your body or in your mind that uh can easily throw you off it throws all of us off all the time right right exactly and so when you start if you build a practice so if you start to have like a formal meditation practice where you're practicing mindfulness so you might spend some time watching the mind so you know i'm i'm explaining this i know you understand it but i'm explaining it for some of your listeners and i want you to like they find this kind of stuff very valuable Cause we don't want to get lost in a conversation and, and anyone listening, they're like, what are you, t- what is she talking about? She's on some tip and we don't know what she's saying. Um, but you know, if you're deciding to watch the mind then you, you have a word, maybe a word that you like, like a mantra that you can kind of just say in the back of your mind, like a, a word you like, like I like to say something that has two syllables so that I can breathe in and breathe out each syllable. So you could say like loving, you know, like breathe in love, exhale ing, like something like that. Okay. You, or you can just use your breath as your, whatever you choose can be your home base. Mm-hmm. And then you let that sort of be your guiding piece. And then 
their mind's going to go off. It's going to go think about groceries or a person you have a crush on or whatever it is. And then you're going to notice that, that it went off. Then you're going to guide it back to your home base. So to your breath or to your word, if you're watching the body, which I know you were talking about before, then maybe you want to do a body scan topic, starting at the top of the head and then moving down to the throat, down to the heart, down to the belly button and the hips. And you just start to be, build awareness of where your body is at. Yeah, I, I love that. And um, so we were talking uh, right there because even I guess I didn't even answer your question about why I was like kind of changing from that meditation to mindfulness. But yeah, how tell you, us. Yeah, well, like how are you were just saying about uh, you can use that kind of anchor as your breath or a mantra to constantly bring your attention back. And then like, or the like mindfulness, the body scan, like the one thing I, I think when I, when I was always doing that, uh, putting my attention on my breath, which was mostly the kind of meditation I was doing, it was great for my concentration. It was great for my focus. And when I got deeper and deeper into that meditation, um, I felt like uh, after a point that like almost all, all of a sudden mindfulness just became everything that I was thinking about. And like, I, I found that more useful because now that I uh, do mindfulness, I find it's better for my movement. It's better for my uh, it's better for like uh, just me on stage, just being myself, being authentic. Like that's what I find like like me meditation was great for my concentration, great for my focus, great to be like, I'm going to sit down and get this done. But mindfulness is great for being authentic, being myself. Uh, allowing like stuff to flow through me um allowing movement like i'd move differently the more like even like in my yoga and stuff like the more i become mindful so that's kind of the uh the separation i kind of took from both of those uh practices that's so cool i really like that i like how you were saying that because you're building that awareness of being in the body and being physical or like you were saying developing your voice on stage as a comedian all those things you're you're even though you're not attached to them anymore in the same way that you might've been, you're still very much present for a lot of them, but both practices are great, right? Like the mm -hmm. mindfulness practice is really good for strengthening. Let's call it's called Samadhi, which I'm sure you know, but like that building that practice is like building a muscle, but having the, meditation whether you're doing like a visualization or you're listening to music or a guided meditation like that is also really really good supplementary work for your mindfulness practice so anyone who's so anyone who's listening like you can do both right i would recommend doing both so whenever your mind feels like really busy you know like maybe you were scrolling on social media or you just have a stressful day or you just have a lot of things piling up spend five minutes doing that meditation practice to kind of relax the mind, relax the body. And then you could spend some time practicing mindfulness. So you can build, it's like building a muscle and then resting, building and then resting, you know? A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it, it is like the building the muscle. Like that's the, the thing I think uh, people who haven't started uh, any kind of practice, they might you know, I, it's like anything you go to the gym the first time you might feel like after right. a few weeks, like what the hell is this? But it's just like, yeah, if you keep at it, you'll really start feeling and seeing the results of it. And I, I like just from meditating for so many years now, I feel like uh, 
it's just like so much depth to like what the like how much you can really get from this right yeah totally and don't i mean i would go as so far to say that in my experience and i'm assuming in yours too but i don't want to speak for you um that it only helps heighten everything else in my life so if we want to use the example of us both being comedians i've become a better comedian because of my practice because i've been able to really like you said build that awareness and also really be in my body and really notice my thoughts and notice these things and 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 recognize that oh i can actually have more of a I don't want to say a controlling role because that's not really the word, but more of, yeah, just more of a presence. Presence. And, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because of that, then you, like you said, can dive deeper and you start to develop and realize, Oh, okay. I'm really coming into my own in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think people can use that in whatever they do, if they're an accountant or if they're a librarian, it, whatever it is, you can, if you have this practice on the side that you do, you're just going to be more engaged, more involved. You're going to enjoy it more, whatever it is, maybe you're a parent or you're, you know, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter, but you're just, you're able to enjoy life more like as, as corny as that might sound. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not corny. And honestly, like uh, how you were saying, like just develop that body awareness, like, just being in the body and being present, like uh, how they say, like, there's only a now kind of thing, like there's no future present, it's always now kind of thing. It makes mm -hmm. life like when you can feel those times of being in that like complete presence, it makes life so much more enjoyable. You realize like life is that movement and you enjoy it. Like that's how they all the poets say, like it's yeah. a dance, it's a dance. So like go with the dance. It's a movement. Like you have to be in that movement uh, rather than always having your head thinking ahead for something or like right. uh, remembering something like that takes you out of it. And like, yeah, build that muscle of it being in your body. It's so beautiful. Um, and you're right. It helps, helps everybody. Yeah. But I, I really like that concept that you just shared of it being a dance because dancing is such a fun, special thing, you know, and, and, and yeah, like when you're dancing, you really are in that moment, hopefully, unless you're very drunk, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, you know, you're, you're you're dancing just to dance you're not trying to get anywhere you know you're just dancing you're just in that moment so yeah I, I completely agree and to your point you know we have no control over what's going to happen in the future we can't change what's already happened in the past the only thing we have is now so if we're already moving if we're not even present for that then what are we doing yeah no and uh yeah I, I agree completely. And that's like that mindfulness always is, uh, I, I find just to be the best uh, practice for that. Um, so let's, I, I do want to hear a little bit about your meditation retreat. Um, so like maybe let my audience know, like uh, what made you decide to do this? Um, and yeah, just kind of take us into this. I'm really interested in it. Sure. So the one, the first one I did um, was at a, um, it's it, it's called the Dharma Center. So it's in Northern Ontario and um, they hold a number of different retreats there. Most are mindfulness 
focus around mindfulness because uh, there are a lot of mindfulness practitioners who teach there and run retreats there. So my teacher, who's been my teacher now for almost five years, <clears throat> he was putting on a retreat there. So that would be my first introduction. And so I would advise anyone who is looking to do a silent retreat and they want to spend some time in silence, just maybe do a little bit of research about the teacher and about the space and just make sure that that's something that interests you. I'm not saying that you can't go in totally blank and, you know, having never practiced before, but it is going to be a little bit more challenging, but but to, to that point, I've heard of people going there for the first time and then they have such an amazing experience that they end up really becoming strong practitioners after the fact. So I think going into it, you can go in with no experience and you can go in with some experience. But either way, I would advise doing a little bit of research about, you know, who's going to be your teacher at the time, who's going to be running the retreat, um, how long it is for, you know, do you have a roommate? All these things make a, they affect you, right? Of Especially course. if you don't, if you don't know your roommate, like these things matter. Um, but yeah, so you're going to be spending some time in silence. I think the thing that surprised me the most, the first time I did one was how much I liked the silence. Okay. Um, I really enjoy talking too. <laughs> I think ha, ha, I've, made, ha, I've made that pretty clear. But I really enjoyed the silence and uh, the introspection and just that time to just not have to put on an act for anyone. And I think we don't necessarily realize, or I didn't realize how much of an act I put on just throughout the day without even talking to people, you know, like smiling at someone on the elevator or opening the door for a stranger or, and these are all nice things, but you're still putting on an act. Like I'm going to be polite for mm. this person. Mm -hmm. And so it is nice to just completely not have to do any of that. So even though you see other people on the retreat, you're encouraged to kind of keep to yourself and you don't need to do any of those things. You don't need to hold the door for someone you don't need. Like you're actually in, like encouraged to just spend some time on your own and it's not viewed as rude. So that was really cool to experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, what my teacher still gave talks throughout. So that was nice. And you were still on a schedule. So you still had things to do. and everybody had different uh, chores that we did around the space. Mine was to clean the kitchen after our meals. Other people were spending time in the garden and it felt really nice. People call it karma yoga or there's different names for it, but you're giving back to the space that's providing to you, right? So you're exchanging energy in that way, which is uh, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. And then I don't know, things like that, just like little things you, you realize like, oh, it, those things are special. And maybe I lost sight of them living in a city or just being lost in my own daily routine, which we all are guilty of. Mm. Um, so that was really special. And then, yeah, you spend a lot of time in nature. We did, we'd go on a lot of nature walks and um, spend a lot of time in your practice. So I do both seated and walking practice and you can do walking practice outside, which was really nice. And yeah, by the fit, I did five days by the fifth day. I was, could have done another five, you know, really? I really, wow. yeah, 
yeah, I really, really liked it. And then, yeah, I've done a couple more since then. Some of them have been <clears throat> virtual retreats, which are not as much fun um, because you're keeping to silence in your home. And that was only because of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So you're still listening to, I'm still listening to my teacher give talks and things like that, but it was all on Zoom. So it's not as enjoyable as being outside and being able to walk around in nature and, and you know, yeah. Being silent, like inside your place, was that like harder? Not as much fun. Not as much yeah. fun. I would, I would do things to go and take walks. I would go to parks and, and go for walks and spend time. It, it's, it's good. It still strengthens your practice. You still feel really good afterwards because it's like, it's almost like you're going, you know, for an intense workout. Like you still feel the benefits of it, but the actual experience is not as enjoyable to being at a retreat center where you're outside and you're, we were also doing yoga together. We were doing, um, Qigong together, mm. you know, so we were doing different things like that, that you can do in silence and still really enjoy. So yeah, I'm going back to do another one this summer and this one will be outside again, or in the retreat space again. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I would really recommend it to anyone who has an interest in trying because you realize how little you actually need to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, that's uh, that's pretty impressive, though, that you could get into that kind of silence and, like, it didn't really bug you too much, it seems like. Yeah, like, at first, you have to adjust. And I was actually, I brought my childhood best friend with me so we always talk we're we gab 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 you know and mm -hmm. I thought that was probably going to be the most challenging part but it got easier like on the first day but I'd even notice habits like things that I say not even without like without thinking you know like yeah the alarm went off in the morning. I'm like, Oh, I'll get it. You know, like just like things like that, you know, that you don't really anticipate that you're like, Oh shoot. I just spoke. Right. Yeah. So, you just have like a little reflexes there. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's like a reflex. Like, ah, you know, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. I also can't believe how much like moaning and groaning I make. Holy, like, just like an old, like grump, like, a, ah. like, ah, like <laughs> so ha, much ha. noise. Like and and there were so many mosquitoes at the time because this was in the summer and I'm just like ah scratching the leg like just so much so many grunts. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah. so did you? I don't know if you like maybe talk with your friend afterwards or anything. Like, was there people who were having trouble like adjusting to the silence? Because like I know. I have heard like that, like sometimes people go into one of these uh, retreats and like, yeah, that like it might be the first day or second day or it gets to a point where it's really tough, like mentally just to like stay in there. Yeah, um, I've definitely heard of people leaving retreats on like day two or, you know, they, they just can't handle it. And um, I definitely heard of that. I, that didn't happen on the retreats that I was doing. But I would, I would understand if someone felt that, especially if they haven't been practicing meditation or mindfulness exactly. before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. freaking <laughs> diving into <laughs> like five days of silence. I, I honestly, like, uh, even like having a practice, I wonder like uh, how easy that would be for me. Cause I don't think like that, none of that sounds very easy to me. Like I, I get that, but uh, 
like that whole like five days. Oh shit. <laughs> I don't know. I could see you doing it. I could see you really liking it, mm. but I don't, I don't want to predict for you. I mean, that's why I think it's, yeah, it's so much of it is the space doing the research before, like, you know, you, like I said, people can just turn up somewhere and try one, but that's why I advise to just like, look at the teacher's website. Like, what do they teach? You know, how do they teach? Can you go to a talk that they're giving or a class? Like, can you attend something before just to get an idea and make sure that you connect with them? Right. Cause we've all had teachers at different stages of our lives and some of them have been great and some of them we haven't connected with as much. So this is the same kind of thing, except that you're in silence. So you want to make sure that that's somebody that you feel you can get something from. Right. And that, that you're in the right place for them too, as your teacher. Mm-hmm. So I how long did it factor? Yeah, how long did it take for you to find a like teacher that resonated with you? Um, I think a, a couple, you know, this was the first time I had really pursued mindfulness, but I had seen other teachers speak and um I had had other teachers for different like spiritual practices when I was first getting in touch with spirituality and trying to figure out where I fit and what kind of worked for me and um so he was actually the first mindfulness teacher that I came into contact with. And luckily it was a really good fit, but um, yeah, I, I took a while before any mindfulness was even the route I wanted to do. You know, some people really prefer other practices and I support that wholeheartedly. I think it's so important to try on different things. We're all like Goldilocks, you know, you try a few things on and then you, then you move on to the next and make sure that it's the right fit. hundred percent. And like, uh, yeah, I I forget who said this, but like talking about the spiritual marketplace, it's like, yeah, it it is good to kind of like try stuff out. And like, if you do see results, like, but like, it's always about trusting yourself. Like, and that's like a big thing, which mindfulness also gives you a, cause like the more awareness you get inside yourself, like that's the more trust you have in yourself. You can trust yourself more. So like when you do a practice and different like sex of spirituality or whatever like you yeah. can go and like give it an honest try and then just be like ah well this isn't my thing like I, I I'll move on to something else and like um yeah just learn to kind of trust yourself in that way and build that trust yeah and the, like we have a guidance system built inside of us for a reason like that instinct is strong with good reason and so if something doesn't feel right like there's a reason for that and it's Anytime I don't listen to that, it doesn't go well, you know, and (laughs) try to get better about that, you know? No, I get that. So this teaching course you're doing, so like, this is your plan now, like, uh, like you want to be able to help other people and kind of teach uh, mindfulness eventually? Um, Yeah, I, I, my main reason for teaching, taking the course was because actually throughout the, the pandemic, there have been more requests for me to do more talks. So to colleges, universities, different corporate audiences, they more and more people are interested in their mental health and more and more organizations are interested in the mental health of their employees. So I had a lot more people reach out to me during the pandemic. And that became sort of my main focus of work during the last two years And because of that, I was already speaking about my yoga practice and what that is like as a teacher, the training that I did and why it's such a big part of my life. 
But then I felt like mindfulness was the other piece. I was practicing it, but I wasn't teaching it. And I felt like if I'm going to be delivering talks to groups as an expert, then I should really do my certification. So that was where that led to. So I don't know that I'll teach mindfulness. Maybe I could definitely see it being something I offer. And I'm now in a position where I can, but it's my main goal is to be able to speak about it and feel confident in what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And uh, that's actually uh admiral of you like to like take that on, like just being like, Hey, I'm doing these talks and speeches to people. Like I want to be able to say to myself that I have these credentials and like, I want to make sure I I'm yeah. I, I love that. Like that's uh, it's like responsible. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. But I feel like, you know, I get so much out of doing the talks, like it's, they're very rewarding and I would never want to steer someone in the wrong direction. I don't want to just be pulling information out of the sky and being like, you know what, this seems like a good answer to your question. Like the good thing about mindfulness is that it's very clear in how the practice works. The practice is foolproof and it's very clear. You watch your mind and you watch your body and there are correct ways to do both. And so as long as you have the parameters for that and you're trained in it, then you're in a position to share that. And then the benefits are huge, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to like take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and too much to the point where I don't have any sort of common ground, you know, and then try to try to speak to a group about it because I wouldn't feel sincere, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I'd like, that's cool that you're giving all these talks and you think like, uh, you think a lot of people are responding to it now, like, especially during the pandemic and after it? I've definitely seen a shift, which is really cool. Um, like I was giving a lot of live talks before, but not in this, not to this degree. And I was just so happy to see more and more organizations in particular and more schools, colleges and stuff like that in the States and in Canada. And they're just, they're like, what do we have to do? You know, because we were coming out of some, we're coming out of a time of transition and there's also been a lot of sadness and there's been a lot of change and death and, you know, it's, it's not been an easy time. So people are really taking this time to say, okay, what can we do? How can we help our group and how can we set them up for success? And I'm really happy to see that because before it felt like when I was speaking on wellness, people were like, oh, this is a niche thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like more, more people are, are open. So yeah, I've seen a shift for sure. That's awesome. Like that is such a good thing to hear. Um, yeah, especially how, how you're saying it's moved from kind of niche into mainstream. Like that's such a huge shift that like, and you can kind of see it with all forms of like, just kind of stuff that helps mentally and mental health and all of that stuff. Like I've seen it like happen slowly with psychedelics as well. And mm-hmm. like, even like other types of modalities, like breath work and like, yeah. just like stuff like that. It's just like to see it coming into the mainstream. It's just an amazing thing. And like, I, I love that. Like these kind of, these are like empowering exercises. They like, mm-hmm to go through a pandemic and have all this hurt, have all this anger, have all this sadness and all these like emotions, like these are are empowering exercises that help you can deal with that. It makes you less like 
uh, less fragile. I, I don't know if that's the proper word to use, but like it, it allows you to kind of like uh, be more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think about? Uh, just being able to like kind it's of weird. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, honestly, it's, uh, it's like, honestly, it's just so cool to see it coming into the mainstream. I love it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's like, okay, cool. Because, you know, there's different ways where you can kind of fall into a practice and you can fall into finding something that really helps. Um, but it, and it, sometimes it can come from a negative place, but it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be, okay, now we're in tragedy. So we're going to look at these practices seriously. You could just say, you know what? I'm going to start developing this routine in my life because unfortunately tragedy will strike for all of us at different stages. It's part of life, whether it's in a group setting like a pandemic or whether it's a personal thing when you lose someone close to you or whatever it is. But if you can have this practice that you do, I like to say, you know, you have a wellness routine. What do you do? And there are things that I have to check in with myself every day. Have I done these things? Have I gone outside today? That might seem really simple, but we live in Canada and you're from Calgary where it's cold. It's cold there. You guys get like a lot of snow and it's freezing and there's lots of excuses as to why many months of the year we don't have to go outside. But just to do something like that can shift the energy around you. It can shift how you feel. It can help with feeling grounded. You know, we are currently in Toronto where there's so many um, condos and you can just spend so much time isolated if you don't make an effort with these things. Right. So mm. did I go for a walk today? Did I do something physical? It could literally just be the walk that you went outside as long as you did something physical. And then did I do something for the internal, the mind stuff, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's a five minute meditation with a app on your phone or, you know, some breathing, you were talking about breath work, whatever that is, but this making sure you're doing those three things every day and that you're doing them in a timeline that works for you. If you only have a free half an hour, okay, five minutes in the morning, 15 minute walk and you know, maybe sitting outside in the park or on the grass for 10 minutes or whatever it is, 15 minutes. <clears throat> I think I made it that 35. So sorry, 10 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> whatever you got, you know, yeah. I know we're all, we're all busy, but when you make those adjustments, you'll see that shift that you were talking about, right? Not on day one, but by day 20, you're going to start to see and feel it. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I love the uh, other idea of just using your time. Like, it's okay. Like, uh, I love to do like, when I try to meditate, I love to do at least 20 minute sessions, at least. Mm. But I also completely understand, like, when I'm in a day where I'm rushed, and I have like a bunch of shit on my plate, mm. I completely understand, like not doing meditation, I would rather just do five minutes, like just get five yeah. minutes out. And like, the, that five minutes is like so beneficial when you start adding those up like over the course of a year it's just like okay I didn't do a meditation like for 20 minutes today but yeah. I did five minutes and it freaking it did make a difference it really does totally totally and I also think there's something really special about taking time for yourself like you know it doesn't have to be like uh, so much time and it doesn't have to be like you know you've got like 
people say, oh, I'm going to sit down and meditate for an hour. Well, not everybody has an hour, but even just taking those five minutes, it's not just about the meditation. It's also about the fact that you're saying to yourself that this is important and that mm-hmm. you're important. And then your day can go significantly in a very, in a very different way, right? Just from that time, because you're setting an intention and you're building your awareness. You're not just falling into the day and chasing after the alarm that went off. And now you're running late and now you're, you know, at a red light and, you know, and then it's just a stream of events that can happen because you're chasing the day instead of setting your attention and letting the day be follow from your intention, if that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. It makes sense. And, uh, yeah, you like, when you do that kind of stuff and you like kind of tell yourself like, this is what I do. Like I like, I, even if it's five minutes, you're right. Like that intention, like really carries on through the rest of your life. Like Mm -hmm. it really does. And like over time, it makes that habit like a way better. And even just building habits, just having that where you just sit down and you just tell your mind like, hey, we do this. And your mind just gets used to it. Your mind like really just gets used to being like, oh, time to shut off or like, you know, and it slows down and like you can ease into it a lot easier. Like it, it's really uh, interesting how the, you, the mind works, the more you become aware of it. Yeah, totally. And, and I think I the first learned about being able to, you know, you build your day rather than your, your day topples on top of you. Like, I I feel like the first time I learned about that was long before I was practicing meditation. I think it was when I had one of my first jobs, but I was in a position where I was able to walk to work and just being able to do that instead of relying on transit of any kind and just being able to walk to work. I had complete control of how the day was going to go, you know? So if I gave myself enough time I knew that the walk would take 25 to 30 minutes. Well, if I only gave myself 20 minutes, then I'm rushing and I'm running and I'm sweating. And by the time I get there, I'm soaked and I look sick. (laughs) I smell awful. And then I'm dealing and then I'm at the hand dryer and put a sticking my armpit under there at the bathroom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the day goes different. And then my attitude towards people was different. Whereas if I would set that intention and say, no, I need this much time right and so you can do the same thing with a meditation okay i'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier i'm going to give myself that five to ten minutes and because i've done that for myself my day is going to go differently truly i believe that oh a hundred percent like it's uh, yeah a hundred percent uh how's the yoga practice on these days you still uh like pretty regular with that yeah, yoga is good. I was teaching the kids today. So I teach kids yoga, which is um, really fun. I'll, I'll give a shout out to my friend's business. It's called uh, Little Yogis. They're so adorable. <laughs> I, work with, I work with them and it's it's the best. Like it's a mobile yoga program for kids two to 12. And we do it all around the city. So there's a bunch of different teachers and it's different than an adult class. You're doing like a you know, interactive stories. And then I'll be like, okay, we're doing lion pose and we're sticking our tongue out uh, like a lion, you know? So it's a little bit more interactive. Yeah. Yeah. Fun and stuff for the kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's really fun. I like kids are very mindful naturally. So it's, it's nice to be around them. And uh, yeah. So do, so that's back really happy. That's back in person. And then, yeah, I teach an adult class on the weekends and then 
I have my own practice. I just injured my knee. So I'm not going too intense with my personal practice at the moment while that's healing, but Mm. yeah, so it's going well. Oh, nice. And you teach an adult class as well. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I teach Hatha. So it's, um, yeah, just on zoom. I do that on zoom and then we might bring it outside again. We were doing it outside. I was teaching to comedians before the pandemic. I was doing a weekly class. I might bring that back as well. Um, at Christy Pitts in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, do that. I'll be down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if I do, I'll I'll give you a heads up because it's been a little while. We did a couple on Zoom um, earlier in the pandemic, but mm. yeah. So no, I love yoga. Yoga will always be part of my life, but also it's important to listen to your body when you have an injury, right? So yeah. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I figured that out the hard way during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So do you, are you, how is your practice? You, you practice yoga as well. How has it been for you, especially with your move? Because you recently came back to the city. Yeah, it's been good. So like I, I injured myself like at the beginning of the pandemic, injured my shoulder. And oh. I was like really like experiencing like chronic pain for the last two years. It's been like, oh, no. on a, yeah, it was on and off. But um. I really worked on it and like honestly for the last few months it's been great but um yeah I was like during the pandemic I was pretty much only doing like yoga every once in a while just because of that um and uh like I also I always love to like lift weights like weight lift is a big thing for me but I mm. haven't been able to do that for two years so now that this pain's gone I've been definitely like a lot more focused on like bodybuilding and stuff. So I I just kind of, I want to get my muscle mass back, which I lost a ton during the pandemic. And then I'm going to start easing back into like yoga as well, but I'm only doing kind of yoga once a week right now. Um, But I'll definitely up it a little bit more once I feel like my strength is kind of back, which I, like I said, I, when I injured that shoulder and just dealing with that chronic pain for so long, I was just like not lifting weights at all. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you listened to that because so many of us don't, and then we just push it and then it can be a much longer injury. I don't know why we're always in that headspace in the West, we're just always in the headspace of like, push harder, push harder. And it's like, why, you know? Yeah. And everything's about like, everything's like, it has to be a gain. Everything has to like, ha- like help you out in some way. So I know what you're saying. Like that kind of, like, you're going to push a little harder and you're going to get that thing when it's just like, that's not how your body works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your body's going to be like, no, (laughs) 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 right. Like, no stopping here for sure. And then like, I don't know, everything changes after you get into your thirties where I know people who are older than their thirties listening to this, they're like, ah, you're so young, but you know, you go on, it's hard to go on a decline things that you could do in your twenties, like feel it a little bit more. Right. So yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I think that even goes with like (laughs) drinking as well. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The hangover becomes a two day hike hangover right yeah. so, or three <laughs> whatever it is so no you gotta be uh gotta be mindful <laughs> yeah definitely all right uh dina this was uh, amazing uh thanks again for coming on i don't even know if i'm supposed to ask you god yay or nay because i've already done that before <laughs> on another podcast has your answer changed in the last two years <laughs> no no um, i like though i like that you asked though it's good i mean yeah, I would just say I'm just like, yeah, super grateful that we can be outside again and living life again and seeing 
just out in, I mean, we could always be out in nature, but there was like a bit of a fear in the back of the mind the whole time. Anytime mm-hmm. you go outside, we're still in a pandemic. It's not done yet. Um, but yeah, feeling optimistic. I think this time of transition is kind of, we're coming out of it. You know? Yeah. And uh, like, like you said, I think, uh, I think the coming out of it and like a lot of people, like we, we were talking about coming into these new modalities of spirituality, meditation, whatever it is, like to mm-hmm. see people that like you can tell people are now opening their eyes up to like this kind of part of mental health and just being like, hey, these are things that are like, re- these are tools that are really good to have. And uh, I think seeing that happen in the mainstream is going to be really great just for the whole world in the future. Yeah. And, and to your, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I was talking to um, a doctor who's like, he, he specializes in, in uh, addiction research. And he was just saying that everybody has to be nourished mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. So it, they have, everyone has to be nourished in all those areas. And then if one area isn't, then you're going to be missing that. And that, that's what, comes up with us wanting to fill quote unquote the vibe or or a void sorry not a vibe not a vibe a void you know with alcohol or drugs or whatever it is uh sugar overeating like it's usually because one of those four things is not being nourished and that always kind of stood out for me because for a long time I wasn't tapped into anything spiritually and I think that you know at that time I wasn't as happy because I wasn't nourishing that part of myself Mm. so anyway that's, that's uh, I love that. That's a great place, I think, to end it. Uh, so, yeah, Dina, thank you so much for coming on. Let my audience know anything you want to promote or just uh, where they can find you. Anything. Uh, let them know. Please. Sure. Yeah. Just on my website. Um, they want I have a newsletter. I put out a lot of stuff about mindfulness, different tips and things. So if they want to go to my we- website, it's just my name dot C-A. So Dina, D-E-N-A Jackson dot C-A. Awesome. I'll toss that in the bio uh, for everybody. Uh, Thank you so much, Dina. This was great. Thank you, Nora. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NoorKidY on Instagram or check out my website, newerkidwide.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.